Amp may not off now. Oh, no, wait, that's not right. <laughs> uh, there isn't a specific passage for today. We'll kind of be all over the place, and it'll take us a while to get there, so I ask you to be patient. Uh, Memorial Day weekend, John mentioned that, and of course you know that already, and it's, it's known for two things. One is kicking off camping season, and the other is remembering our fallen soldiers. And, and I, when I say remembering our fallen soldiers, you know, we, many of us will, over Memorial Day, take time to visit grave sites. You know, my parents were never military, but I might go see their spot, you know, and that kind of thing. But it is specifically designed for, for remembering our fallen soldiers. And I, I did a little research, and it's hard to exactly put a year on it. Different people say different things. Uh, pretty much it goes back in the United States to the Civil War. There are places in the South where they still celebrate it instead of the first uh, Monday of May, the last someday or another of, of April, because they were celebrating it that day before those stinking Yankees came down, <laughs> and, uh, and they, they have held that. Uh, in our modern pattern of taking holidays and making, turning them into three-day weekends, you know, the, at our time we celebrated on the first Monday, or, uh, or the last Monday in May, and uh, that, that works really well. Uh, today we're going to recognize our heroes and that, but we're going to consider that being remembered is, is not enough. It is important for us to remember them. Uh, but we have potential for so much more than merely being remembered. And our goal is not to be remembered when we're gone, but to be rejoicing when we arrive, right? That, that's something far better. But, but first, remembering our heroes. You know, I want to start out with, with it's kind of reflecting what I said about, you know, those, those friends from Canada who were like, but you're a church. How can you have guns? Uh, and, and, you know, there's people who think, you know, church was supposed to be flowers and roses and, and pretty and nice all the time. And, and that's a nice thought. In heaven, maybe we will be that way. Uh, war is not pleasant. War is not nice. It has been called a necessary evil, but that is a false description. War itself is not necessarily evil, at least not for both sides. Uh, it, it is because of evil that war is necessary. Right? Uh, if there was no evil, war would not be necessary. But when evil comes, comes or causes war, then that evil must be stopped. And the only way to stop it is war. And, and that is a very clear biblical principle that we find. But at the same time, the price of war is terrible. The risk of injury, the risk of dismemberment, the risk of death is always there. And, and there's a reason we call them heroes uh, when they go to war. And almost every one of us in here has some connection with someone we remember. And by remember, I mean remember because they're gone. Uh, some of you have personally seen combat. Some of you have lost people you know uh, who, who died in combat. Uh, maybe you've lost comrades in battle. I think of my own family. Uh, my brother, Bill, uh, was in the Navy for 15 years. He you know, had sold out in early retirement. He found himself a single dad, and he did that. My brother Tom was in the Air Force for 20 years or 20-plus. He retired. He's a double-dipper. He's got the same job. He's in, in the Air Force working in a hospital. I don't think he left uh, the San Antonio area his entire military career with his job in the hospital the way it was, and the, the Air Force does things like that. I spent three years in the Army. You know, I, I, I'm almost embarrassed because I spent the whole time in a supply room in, in uh, Fort Carson, Colorado, which is like the world's greatest place if you want an easy time in the military. Uh, so, 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 you know, we did. My, aunt, my family, though, extended a little bit. It wasn't so pleasant. My grandpa Webb fought in World War I, uh, didn't die, 
My uncles Ed and Jim fought in World War II. Jim and Don fought in uh, the Korean War, and Pee Wee fought in Maurice. They called him Pee Wee because he was the tallest. <laughs> uh, he fought in Vietnam. Uh, he was Air Force. He didn't actually fight. You know, anyhow, Air Force, I, don't under, I never have understood Air Force. You know, the joke says, somebody's going to beat me up for this, the joke says there's only two branches of the military, Army and Navy, because uh, the Air Force is a country club and the Marines are a cult. <laughs> the only people who get offended by that are the Marines, and they're the ones that scare me. So... <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, Ed, in the Army in World War II, fought in uh, the Battle of the Bulge as a, as a ground soldier, hand-to-hand combat. Don, in Korea, was at the Chosin Reservoir, if you're familiar with, the, with that. It's, it's pretty much the biggest thing you find when you look at, the, at the, where a bunch of Marines were surrounded and had to fight their way out, uh, outnumbered. None of them died. None of my relatives died in battle far back as, you know, at least the, these two generations I'm aware of. But, you know, they were affected. Grandpa Webb, uh, I, don't know, I don't know if he would have been what he was had he not been to war, but he was a mean man. He was a, he was a drinker. He, 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 he was a wife beater. Uh, he died when my mom was 12 by taking his own life. Uh, my Uncle Jim took his own life. When, he, when I was about 10, I don't know how old he was. The other uncles all died of an early, at, a, at a relatively early age. All of them had alcohol problems. All of them had broken marriages and damaged families. And, and, and there's a lot of prices war can take on you. And I don't, you know, we, we know people who never go to war face a lot of these same things, but, but you don't know. And, and there's a terrible price that war does call. And, and you have people you're thinking of, and many with much better outcomes th- than these I'm talking about. But, but we look at, at, at going to war and the price we pay, and there's a reason we call them heroes. And, and, and this weekend is a time we set aside to remember them and to honor them and to remember their sacrifice. And I appreciate what John said about have a barbecue, because that's why they did it. You know, they, they, they give us so much that we take for granted that we don't even realize we have. Uh, and, and, and our country, while we see it going downhill, we have tremendous be- advantages and benefits uh, because of what they've done for us. Uh, and, and so we, we, we honor them. And, and by the way, we live at a time right now when it's easy to do this. Uh, and and it, it may sound odd when I say this, but 9-11 was a turning point for our country in a good way in many ways, because, because many of us remember when it wasn't easy to honor our veterans, when, when, when there was a... a distaste for the military in America. Vietnam did that for us. I went into the Army uh, just a couple of years after Vietnam, and, and it was not, there, there was not the pride of spirit. There was not the, 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 the esprit de corps, the, the morale that, that we have today, that we see in, the, in today's military. 9-11 made it easy to be patriotic again. 9-11 identified for us that we are a country. I remember, <laughs> I remember, watching those towers go down. And I was ready to join up. And, and, and I was too old. I was, I was talking to, to a friend of mine, because you, know, and, and you have to be able to, to, to uh, retire before a certain age, and with the time, I, I just couldn't make it. And he says, well, we could probably get you in 
as a chaplain, I said, I don't want to be a chaplain. I want to shoot somebody. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was, I was just, you know, I was, I, and I but I, I was, I was stunned at myself when I thought about it, when I realized, because I honestly, even though I fought in the military, I didn't think of myself as that much of a patriot. But when that happened, I realized I am an American. I do identify with my country. And, and these people attack my country. And, and I think I'm not the only one that was affected that way. And, and, it, and, and so today we live in a time when we say, thank you for your service. We say, thank you for your sacrifice. And, and it's a meaningful thing. And, and, and I think that's a good thing. And so we honor our military, and we thank you. And we appreciate and recognize the good that it's done. With all that said, remembering only goes so far. It only goes so far, especially, you know, I think about our moder modern custom of sp spreading ashes, which I think is a pretty good custom in many ways. Uh, my parents were cremated, and they're on a wall, in, or in a wall. Uh, and and I, don't, I can never remember the name of the cemetery, but it overlooks the Bowen Pitcher in Spokane, and, and uh, it's kind of a neat place to go and meditate. And, and I don't do it very often, I mean, really rarely, but... But, it's, it's, um, but, but Joan's parents, her, her ashes were scattered, their, their ashes, her, her dad in one place, her mom in another. And, and, and I like it because it's meaningful. We take, them to a, t take the ashes to a place that was meaningful to them. You know, and, and we spread the ashes and we, we do that. And, and, and I like it, but another generation, and they'll be gone without a trace. See, is my parents, someone, you know, a hundred years from now, if the Lord tarries, can walk by and say, I wonder who those people were. <laughs> you know, they'll say, well, they were married. You can tell. You look at the names. They're not a brother and sister. We don't do that uh, very normally. I mean, I suppose it could happen, but, but married couples uh, buried together or interred together in this case. Uh, and there'll be that. But, but uh, others will be, be gone and forgotten without even a stone. And, and the memory does not last very long. And, and one of the modern mantras we have today is that well, we'll, we'll, we'll be memorialized in our children and our offspring. And, and, and that's fine. It only goes so far. You know, I was, I, I, and, and we live in an era where everybody's tracing their genealogies and finding all these things. And you know what you do is you trace your genealogy till you find somebody you can say, look, I'm descended from him, and you ignore everybody in between. <laughs> and then we ignore everybody on beyond because that's the reason that person's the one that stands out. Uh, but you know, when you think of warfare and we think of Memorial Day, you know, the modern American military is an anomaly in that we have a high percentage of married people in the military. The history of warfare throughout the world is, is unmarried men have fought most wars, and most people who have died in war are unmarried men aside from civilian casualties, and they're not being memorialized in their offspring because they never had any, right? And, and, and so that kind of memory is, is not there. They have no children to be immortalized in when they're lost. And, and so we have this holiday to honor them, and we honor them, but many are not remembered uh, in, in that way. And, and so I'd like to turn first to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And Ecclesiastes is a strange book, and I'm going to read a strange passage to think about on Memorial Day. Ecclesiastes 9, verses 3 through 6. I'm not going to read it and then abandon it. I'm going to read it and we'll talk about it so it makes some more sense. Ecclesiastes 9, 3 through 6. You're right. Okay. <laughs> Uh, he says he could do better. 
This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that they go to the dead. But he who is joined with all the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. I'm going to stop there. I don't know why I said through nine. I went through six. Uh, so, and, you, and you read those phrases, and you go, what? A living dog is better than... That's so wrong. Pastor, shut up and sit down. <laughs> uh, you, you go, is that all there is? There's no value to dying well? What happened to her- heroism? What, you know, the answer is, is that Ecclesiastes is the book of under the sun, and it is the book of the pointlessness of life if this is all we have. If this is all we have, and your goal, your goal in life is to be remembered some point after you die, then, then you have a really poor goal because it will only last for so long before you'll be forgotten. And if you're remembered like George Washington or, or one of the, you know, the few people who do make fame that we all remember, it's, it's not of any real value to you. It's better to be a dead, alive dog than a dead lion if, if this world is all we have. But on the other hand, if we have more than this world, then man, be a lion. <laughs> you know, be the lion. We're, we're all going to die, die well, and, and have meaning in your life. Uh, and, and so we, we start with Ecclesiastes, and we, that, that's why I say we need more than simply being remembered. If being remembered is all we have, then be a coward and hide. <laughs> you know? but, but if you have more, then we have the freedom to be a lion. And so I go not resting in peace, but rejoicing in victory. Resting in peace is a really wonderful goal if you're tired. And, and I admit, the, 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 the older I get, the more I enjoy resting. <laughs> and and you, know, you do some work and you go home and you go, oh, I just want to rest. I, 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 I have my spot on the couch. And it's funny to hear uh, everybody around, you know, Joan or the kids, when they come over, everybody knows that's Papa's spot. And, and if somebody else sits there, it's, you're sitting in Papa's spot. Yet last night, uh, Lorraine was over, and I said, well, I'm going to sit over here. This is my spot. And I forget if it was Joan or, Lorraine, or Bethany. One of them said, that's always your spot. <laughs> doesn't matter where you go. That's your spot. Because I like to rest. But, you know, resting is only good for so long. And I don't care how hard your life is and how, how rough it's been and how much you say, oh, man, I can rest when I, when I die. After a while of die, being dead, I think you're going to be ready to do something besides rest. You know, I want to, instead of having a goal of resting in peace, have a goal of rejoicing in victory. And he gives us that. And so we turn to Revelation 12. And we're, like I say, we're going to be all over Scripture today, so you know, get, pra- get, get, get used to the practice. Revelation 12 is towards the back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, keep looking in the middle, Knut. You'll <laughs> Revelation 12, 10 and 11 is, is the statement of, of some dead people waiting for the fulfillment of, of uh, not the fulfillment of eternity, but the the fulfillment of their lives, in a way. Revelation 12, uh, 10 and 11. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and power and kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been 
Oh, I'm sorry, this isn't the passage I was thinking of. I'll get to that one later. Uh, For the accuser of our brothers has, has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God, and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. And when it says they conquered him by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death, it's talking about people who died for Christ, died for their faith. And dying for faith is their victory. And it is their joy and their rejoicing. It is, it is, it is the, the ultimate victory that we can hope for. Victory because they did not love their lives even unto death. They were lions, not dogs. They could have survived. They could have denied Christ. They could have walked away. But they didn't. Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 to 25, this is the Apostle Paul talking about the potential for dying. And he's saying, I don't care. Uh, for myself. He says, it might be, make a difference for you, but I don't care for myself. I just as soon go and be with Christ. Philippians 1, verses 20 through 25. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means faith fruitful labor for me, yet what shall I choose I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. And, and he's, he's, you know what he's saying? He says, I hope not to be ashamed. He says, he says I, if I have to, if I have to, to, you know, Dogs are fine animals. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not putting down dogs. They're way better than cats. <laughs> but, but the idea of a dog is implied by better to be a living dog than a dead lion is the shameful idea. You know, a dog that runs away. I, I knew a man. He was a, at, at the time I knew him, he was the chaplain of the Spokane uh, Jail. The jail right there by the courthouse in, in Spokane. He was the chaplain there. But before that, he had been a SWAT officer in, in San Francisco, going all the way back to the mid-60s. He, he, had, he had some interesting stories, but one of the stories was when he had a police dog with him. And, and they sent the dog into the house, and the dog came ripping back out. And they sent the dog in again, and it went in again, and it came ripping back. Well, there was an African lion. <laughs> in the, I would rather be a, a lion, man. I want to be a lion. Paul said, I don't want to be ashamed. I don't want to be a dog who lives. I would rather die. He's not saying a lion, yeah, uh, because we like sheep are, are, led, astray, are led astray, but uh, we like sheep are sacrificed. We'll be looking at that in a few minutes. Uh, but, but the point is, is that we, we do not have to fear death. Because we have something better. He says, I'd rather die and be with Christ. It's far, far better. We don't have this option of living or dying. We have the option of living and living. Uh, of living here and living there. And so he's saying, uh, death is an impediment to ministry, so I guess I'll stick around, but death is also uh, victory. It's not an impediment to victory. It's a death impediment to ministry. So we come to the passage we had our scripture reading in, Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to read, uh, well, I'll read just the 35 through 39. I could read a lot longer, but uh, I'll read just that part. Romans 8, 35 through 39. And what can separate us from the love of Christ? 
in, in, in mind. It says, who shall separate us from love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Right? It, it, we're dying here for you, Christ. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. Not conquerors, more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Tribulation. We're suffering tribulation. Of course, we're not now, but what if we were? No, Jesus still loves us in tribulation. In fact, I, I don't want to say he loves us more, but I want to say he loves us more. It's like my, my mind says, no, he loves us the same, but my heart says, when you see someone you love hurting, you feel more. And, and I think he's that way. Does, does it separate us from his love? No. Does distress separate you from the love of Christ? Of course not. It has to increase the, the depth of emotion in some way. Does persecution, famineness, nakedness, danger, sword? We're being killed here. Does that mean we've been separated from the love of Christ? Certainly not. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. And we die for him and gain. We can only gain uh, when we do these things. So I say for so much more than rest in peace. How, how long do you like to rest? I like, you know, I really like my 15-minute nap. <laughs> and I, I've got like an alarm clock. I, I look at the clock, I go, okay, I need to wake up by then. <laughs> and I do. <laughs> and, and it's like, I go, cool. You know, it's like, someday it's not going to work. Uh, but uh, that'll be pay- painful. <laughs> uh, but, but the idea of resting in, 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 is, is the implication that we leave this world so wearied by our work that we want to rest for eternity. But in all honesty... 70, 80, 90 years of work does not make you tired for a thousand. <laughs> Especially when you have a young, healthy body. You, you know, the, the difference between the young guy and the old guy isn't how hard they can work, it's how quickly they recover. <laughs> and, and the young guy, 10 minutes later, says, Hey, you want to go shoot some hoops? You go, Do you want to die? <laughs> you <know? laughs> because because you're, you're sitting there going, Man, I, I'd love to get out of this couch. I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> but it's, it's a long ways away. <laughs> It's that recuperation time. The idea of some rest doesn't sound bad, but not for eternity. And, and you, we're getting invited. You know, we're getting invited to a party. We're, and we're getting invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. We're like honored guests at this thing. And we're not going to sit at home and go, you know, I'm kind of tired. I think I don't want to go. <laughs> we are going to be so excited and ready to go and invigorated and fresh. It is a celebration that we are going to want to go for. It's like, it's like resting is a perspective we have from here because we do get tired. And hopefully we're working enough in our, in our walk to get tired of the work that we do. You know, not always worn out, but, but, but uh, you know, putting enough effort into it. But I guarantee when we get, get to that party, we're not going to stand around talking about how tired we are and wish I could go home. You know, we're not going to do this. I saw you do that. No. <laughs> uh, we're not, we're not going to do that uh, we're, because we're not going to be tired. So more than remembered. Revelation, here's the one I was thinking of earlier. The souls cry out from under the altar. Okay? 
They say, how long, O Lord? I've got to turn to Revelation. It's not in Romans. Revelation 6. Nine through eleven. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, as who were to be killed as they themselves had been. So the souls are, are crying out from under the altar, and they're they're not calling out to be remembered, as in, think nice thoughts about me when I'm gone. You don't see the word remember us, Lord, but they're saying, hey, God, we're here. Don't forget us. You said you'd do this. They're not calling out, dear God, remember me with fondness. You know, it, it's, it's, it's fingernails on the chalkboard when I hear someone say, our thoughts go out to you. I'm going, unless you're psychic, <laughs> that's of, of no value at all. They're not under the, under the throne calling out, oh, God, think nice thoughts about us. They're saying, God, remember us and do something about it, right? Uh, memory meaning do something. They, they, they want to be remembered as in don't forget to take care of us. And we are looking forward to uh, a time not of, not of people looking ni- or thinking nicely about us. We're looking forward to a time of God taking care of us. We, we, we have more to look forward than just hoping we will be remembered when we're gone. Uh, we get to look forward to rejoicing when we arrive. And, and that is our goal, and that is our hope, and that is, that is my prayer for everybody here. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for victory in Jesus. I thank you for victory that is greater than... than, than a victory that cannot be taken away from us. I thank you for the victory that you have earned and that we get to take part in. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the heroes we have. I thank you for the price they paid. Father, I pray for them this eternal victory that you give. In Jesus' name, amen.